organisations are politically motivated. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning to you. Welcome to Money for Nothing. I'm Brian Curtis reporting. Well, the West moves quickly to try to arrange a rescue package for Ukraine. The G20 backs easy money for the time being. China rejects concerns about shadow banking and a weaker yuan. And the ECB tilts a little more towards stimulus in March. And also in the news and on this program, Tech M&A. Is it a new engine for stocks? But first, this. If uh, the Ukrainian authorities uh, were to ask for IMF uh, support, whether it's policy advice, whether it's uh, um, financial support together with uh, economic reform uh, discussions, obviously we stand ready to do that. So that is the IMF chief, Christine Lagarde, and the United States... The United States will play a role uh, along with our partners in Europe. If Russia chooses to participate, that they would be welcome. And, of course, the IMF is the big player on the, on the block in this respect. So that is National Security Advisor Susan Rice uh, asked about Ukraine. And we will have a package on Ukraine in just a moment. Let's look at Asian markets first. The Nikkei down 74 points, a half a percent in early trading here in Asia, 14,791. In Australia, the main index is higher, up about two-tenths of one percent in Seoul. The Kospi has uh, trickled just a couple of points down. Currencies, the dollar is trading at 102.50 yen, so not much change. The yen holding on to uh, its position against the greenback. The euro, 1.3739, so a bit of a gain for the euro against the uh, against the dollar. Well, lots of attention has been directed at WhatsApp following news of its big takeover by Facebook. What about WeChat, Line, and Viber? These are eight Asian-focused instant messaging operators. And uh, is that a way, perhaps, to tap into the rise of the mobile consumer? So joining us on the program is Juhi An from Mirei Asset Global Investments. Juhi's fund has WeChat owner Tencent as its second biggest holding. So we'll be joined by her in a moment. We also have Alex Wong from Ample Capital and Barry Wood, our international economics correspondent. So let's get to the news flow first, beginning with Ukraine. Ukraine's lawmakers have moved quickly to tear down what was left of President Viktor Yanukovych's old guard. The former top cabinet members have all been fired. The parliament is now firmly in control of the government. They've adopted a law restoring state ownership of Mr. Yanukovych's presidential palace. And as you heard earlier, the IMF and the West generally are trying to put together support. A big question looms. What will Russia do? NBC's David Gregory put this question to Susan Rice. Do you not fear that this could take an ominous turn, that Russia, particularly after these Olympic Games, could decide perhaps to send forces in to restore the kind of government that uh, Russia would like to see? After all, it was Putin who guaranteed $15 billion worth of loans to Yanukovych so that they would reject the West, reject the European Union. That would be a grave mistake. Uh, it's not in the interests of Ukraine or of Russia or of Europe or of the United States to see the country split. 
it's in nobody's interest to see uh, violence return and, and the situation escalate. There is not an inherent contradiction, David, between a Ukraine that has uh, long-standing historic and cultural ties to Russia and a modern Ukraine that wants to integrate more closely with Europe. But, but, These need not be mutually exclusive. Uh, final point about Ukraine and what you will be monitoring and watching for today and in the days to come. Well, most importantly, David, we want to obviously see a de-escalation of the violence. And for the last few days, things have been much more peaceful. That is uh, welcome, and it's something we want to see sustained. The parliament is uh, actively involved now in choosing this uh, transitional government, setting the date for elections, uh, and, and, and appointing uh, acting uh, heads of ministries. We want to shore that up. And very importantly, uh, we want to cooperate with partners in Europe, uh, the IMF, uh, the Russians, if they're prepared to participate to help uh, the Ukrainian economy, which is very, very fragile. They need to reform and they need financing. So that, again, is National Security Advisor Susan Rice there speaking with David Gregory, an NBC host. Well, meantime, the group of 20 nations, uh, they also weighed in, said that some support could be forthcoming to Ukraine, but also that monetary policy should remain easy or accommodative for now. U.S. Treasury Secretary Jack Liu says participants agreed to boost growth by more than $2 trillion over the next five years. The discussion this weekend was really principally focused on growth, and it was focused on growth because it is a shared objective that each of us individually have and that each of us collectively have. And I think that, you know, if you look where we were a year ago debating austerity, uh, this was a debate about how can we work together to share best practices and develop an approach where our individual economies can grow and the global economy can hit the objective that's set forth in the communique. And back to Ms. Lagarde, she said the developed nations will push for 2% growth. The G20 members identify those reforms, identify those actions that are needed to deliver on this 2% objective. So work is underway. There has clearly been uh, an, an endorsement of the paper that we proposed and the modelization that we put together. It's now for the uh, members of the G20 to identify those actions that they will take and for all of us to keep working at it to make sure that there is delivery. All right, so we've got uh, our guests lined up for some discussion this morning, and I'll also keep you apprised of markets and how they're moving all throughout this half hour. Barry Wood will be our next guest. A little bit later in the program, we'll be speaking with Alex Wong, Director of Asset Management at Ample Capital, and also at about 20 after, Juhi An, a Senior Portfolio Manager at Murray Asset Global Investments. But first, Barry Wood. Barry, good day to you. Good morning, Brian. So a few other headlines uh, we mentioned from the G20, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Ukraine. China's central bank governor saying that the nation can sustain growth of 7 to 8%, so that reassured some people. China's finance minister playing down risks from shadow banking and the slightly softer yuan of late. And another headline that came out of those meetings in Sydney, Janet Yellen wins praise at the G20 as emerging markets fed angst eases. Is that true? Is the Fed angst easing in emerging markets? <laughs> well, having not been in Sydney, uh, with that caveat offered, I think it has indeed. And I think that uh, what they want, what emerging economies generally within the G20 want, is for predictability in United States monetary policy and faster growth in the U.S. economy. And I think they like what Mrs. Yellen said to the House Financial Services Committee 10 days ago, and they liked 
having the opportunity to get to know her in Sydney. Yes. However, the facts don't seem to bear out what she's saying is happening, that growth is coming back. It seems, in fact, that most of the economic reports of late have been fairly weak. Well, that's true, Brian. And if that continues past what now seems the end of the winter storms here in North America, then that's going to be a problem. And I think at that point, the Federal Reserve will have to reassess its options. But I think now they want that certainty and predictability, and there's nothing that uh, has happened thus far that would cause that to be altered, even with the weak data we saw over the last seven days. Sure, nobody wants to freak out over one or two months uh, weaker data, but it is a little bit alarming because you might look at this from the emerging market standpoint. The worst thing that could be happening is if you get tapering that just powers ahead. They continue to taper the bond purchases at a time when growth is slowing dramatically. So I don't think anybody would be happy about that. Well, that's true, but I don't think you're right to say that growth is slowing dramatically. I think it's fallen back a bit. There's no doubt about it. The housing sector has become weaker than expected, and that is going to weigh on growth. But I think we're still muddling along at that 2 to 2.5% two rate. Yeah. I think also, Brian, you've got to look at the fact that it's now been two or three weeks since we saw this real tumult in global markets that affected the currencies and the equities market in the emerging market economies. Things have improved since then. Yes. And I think a lot of that is this predictability. And also that uh, looks like now, at least, uh, we see Ukraine settling down. However, it is interesting, uh, will be interesting to see what happens with Russia in the coming weeks, whether the EU and the West in general gets an upper hand there. But uh, at least for the moment, um, you know, we don't see the violence that we saw last week. Well, that's true. But boy, events have moved so quickly in Ukraine that I think that uh, it's still very much in play. The eastern part of the country is the region to watch. I mean, where is Yanukovych and what is going to happen? Uh, You know, all of those demonstrators in Kharkiv rallied around the Lenin statue to protect it from being pulled down, as it happened in the western part of the country. So I think it's it's a bit premature. I am impressed that the Western countries, the IMF, the G20, the United States, are all saying we stand ready to help the Ukrainian economy with emergency loans. You know, there had been a bank run in certain parts of Ukraine over the last few days, and they've got an economy that is not on its back, but pretty close. So one of the things that we'll be focused on today will be China here and also the HSBC earnings. Uh, from your standpoint there in Washington, what will you be focus on, focusing on the most this week? Well, I think we've got Janet Yellen coming back, and I think she'll have to talk about emerging markets when she's up on Capitol Hill on the Senate side on Thursday. I mean, she will be uh, past her jet lag, presumably, and this was a huge opportunity for her as well to meet her uh, interlocutors within the G20. So I think that she can't duck questions about what's happening with emerging markets because she's going to have a lot more conversations to report on. I think that's the big one, and we'll have to keep an eye also on technology because this was a stunner deal. I know you've got this later in the program, but uh, what's happening out in the Silicon Valley and uh, this, I mean, you know, to offer $16 billion to a company that's only got, you know, a handful of employees. I mean, this is really extraordinary. We've got a big merger here in the East with, uh, you know, the uh, Time Warner Cable and Comcast, and this will have to get regulatory approval. So then we'll have to watch the markets because our markets have recovered nicely here in the States. We'll see if this is going to be a further upward move or if we're going to have another retrenchment. 
All right, Barry, uh, so much still to talk about, but I'll have to let you go. Got some other uh, guests waiting, and uh, it'll be interesting to see when, once the weather sort of improves a little bit, uh, whether or not the weakness uh, has been mainly caused by the weather or whether we see um, you know, the longer trend of uh, growth coming back uh, resume. So uh, I think by next Monday morning, we'll have a little bit clearer picture, and we'll look forward to speaking then. Thank you. That's Barry Wood, RTHK's international economics correspondent, on the line from Washington. <laughs> coming in just a moment, but uh, HSBC is expected to announce its earnings today. 19% growth in annual profit is what analysts are looking for. Uh, As Cecil Wong reports, regulatory fines in the wake of possible manipulation of currency markets may dent, though, the bank's profit. The bank is expected to announce a 24 billion U.S. dollar profit for the whole of last year, thanks to aggressive cost cutting. Profit for the first nine months of the year was 18.6 billion U.S., up 15% from the same period a year ago. Last November, the bank's chief executive Stuart Gulliver said HSBC was well ahead of its savings target, reaching 4.5 billion U.S. dollars since he took over in 2011. However, revenue growth is expected to remain weak. Its lending business may be able to generate more profits as financial markets were relatively calm during the final three months of last year. But potential regulatory fines may take the shine off its scorecard. The bank has said it's cooperating with a probe by British financial regulators over alleged rate rigging in the global currency market. The bank paid a record 1.9 billion US dollar fine to settle charges of money laundering to US regulators in 2012. Cecil Wong reporting. The time is now 17 minutes after 8 o'clock. And we'd like to say good morning to Juhi An, Senior Portfolio Manager, Mirei Asset Global Investments. Very good morning to you. Morning. And Alex Wong is with us as well. Alex, um, ladies first, so make you wait just a little bit longer. And you're a regular guest on the program. We say a very uh, good morning to Juhi An. So we wanted to look at Tencent and some of these other Asian-focused uh, instant messaging operators. Mm-hmm. My wife used Line a lot because she says people in Taiwan and Korea and Japan like it. Um, we've been using WeChat for a couple of years. WhatsApp, of course, uh, the big deal last week. Mm-hmm. Just curious, um, we saw a big sell-off in some uh, on Thursday, but then a rebound on, mm-hmm. on Friday. Um, are you comfortable with Tencent's position as the owner of WeChat at the moment? Right. The reason for the correction on the Thursday was because of uh, the valuation that Facebook paid for um, asset, which is about $40 per uh, user, active user, uh, monthly active users. Uh, but I think we believe uh, it's not very easy to just compare uh, Apple to Apple uh, in terms of the, uh, the dollar per user. Because if you think about the China um, situation, which is uh, quite different from uh, the WhatsApp uh, well, to China, well, if we are investing in Tencent, for example, then we are investing in uh, the consumption story and Internet, both of them, not just in cons- uh, the Internet, because now the Internet sector is not just uh, exp- it's not about expectation. It's all about the monetization. That means we are we have to focus on lifestyle change, which is one is mon- uh, monetization, which means uh, it's it's um, going through the uh, mobilization and e-commerce development. Um, 
yes. I, I was just going to say that it seems that Tencent is already monetizing mm-hmm. WeChat better than WhatsApp is monetizing itself. Um, you see a lot of people um, through WeChat making payments uh, for game usage. Mm-hmm. Well, not just a game. If you think about the recent development, such as the red envelope uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, during the Chinese New Year uh, or the taxi, call taxi, uh, the service they uh, recently yeah. launched. Uh, actually, uh, the, now that the gross potential for consumption itself is very high. And then plus, as I said, uh, the, uh, the e-commerce uh, through the Internet or, uh, by uh, the smartphone or tablet, it's also they just started um, to, to grow. So that's why... I think of this. You just apply like forty dollars per user, so it's like WhatsApp, when that is uh, not very uh, right calculation. And what about this tie-up with uh, the online retailer JD.com? Mm. Uh, does that put it on pretty much a collision course with Alibaba? Yes. Now, if you think about the internet uh, sector in China, there are three big three players: Baidu and Alibaba uh, and Tencent. And actually, regional business for uh, all of them were all different. Baidu was focusing on used to uh, focus on uh, the search engine, and uh, Alibaba used to uh, used to uh, focus on uh, e-commerce. And Tencent was focusing on uh, the game, mobile, especially mobile game recently. But now uh, they're starting to compete each other, and they now uh, so that's why they are very busy in uh, acquire other the good businesses in uh, each other's businesses so that's why going forward i think uh, the kind of the alliance or uh, the merger um, into the, the other uh, sides uh, business is i think the very helpful for them to be more competitive is it a threat though you think it's helpful but it, it could be seen as a threat uh, if one of those three falls behind the others uh the threat of well, yeah. I mean, it's a threat, really, in a sense. Uh, if they're all expanding into the same area, and mm-hmm. let's say Alibaba ends up winning, yeah, that's why I think, uh, of course, going forward, uh, the industry itself will be growing, but we have to focus on the good management uh, with a better strategy. Of course, now it is a kind of starting uh, starting stage of competition, but going forward, anyway, one or two of the big players will be successful. That's why we are focusing on the Tencent, because the Tencent will be the best position to exploit the mobilization trend. And then I think the mobilization trend is all about a lifestyle change. So that is not just search engine, there's not just email, that's all about uh, the lifestyle, which is including the messenger or tourist uh, the traveling. Doesn't it make it impossible to value a company like Tencent? I mean, if you look at its PE to growth, it's mm. kind of a crazy number. And look at all these tie-ups they've been doing lately with a department store, with a taxi mm-hmm. service that you meant with J.D. Power. I mean, you just go on down the list. It seems like every couple of days there's some sort of mm. corporate tie-up that they're doing. How do you value that company? Yes. Uh, well, in the past, if you think about the, chi- uh, the valuation tool for internet sectors in the past, there's all about the expectations. Just like uh, India now, that they are like uh, they, uh, trading at more than 80 or the 100 uh, times. Even though the Chinese chi- uh, internet companies are trading in high valuation also, like a, a high 20 or uh, the 30, only 30 times. But I think it's not just uh, expectations anymore. It's all about uh, the, the actual earnings or potential. The, the reason that uh, the people were uh, very interested in internet company in China uh, was actually they showed already showed the potential of monetization, uh, which was uh, went well very successfully. Okay, so we mentioned Tencent was number two in your fund. Uh, what's number one, and what are some of your favorite picks in this area? 
Uh, now, maybe in terms of uh, uh, the weight, I'm focusing on tourism uh, names, which, and then I think the Macau names uh, were one of the biggest beneficiaries from uh, the, the increasing tourism, especially uh, in China and in other Asian countries. Macau, you said. Yes. So the Macau gaming stocks, yes. they've done very well. Uh, just sputtered a little bit here of late, but uh, that may be because the, the uh, revenue numbers were a little weaker in, in the first part of January. Does mm-hmm. that uh, get sorted out, do you think? No, that is uh, mainly because of uh, the VIP sector, and then uh, we have, our fund is mostly uh, focusing on mass market rather than VIP. Okay. Yes. So, what about um, you know some of the, so? How about airlines, for instance, or hotels, or some of these other lifestyle choices? Yes, maybe uh, I'm not very positive on uh, airlines uh, compared to other maybe hotel business or uh, the gaming business because uh, of course uh, there are many beneficiaries from uh, this uh, tourism uh, the trend, but I think the uh, the airlines they have other on other uh, many other factors to uh, can um, uh, which can uh, impact on the earnings uh, such as oil price or other uh, can, so. Okay, uh, just a final question before we get to Alex. Um, A lot of people have gone into some pretty small companies uh, in the gaming space and in generally uh, some of the the China tech companies. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know how close you follow some of those other ones. Well, Kingsoft is not so small, but there's these other ones like Boya Interactive, IGG, a Singapore-based games company, Mm -hmm. uh, China Binary. Are those on your radar at all? Oh, well, we are not actively investing in those kind of small companies, but we have to watch uh, the M&A play going forward. Because as I said, now uh, there are there used to be a lot of small companies, uh, small players before, but now the state for the M&A, it says for uh, the, like a high, uh, the high, higher gross potential companies. Like So that's why I think uh, we have to focus on the like, M&A, uh, the potential, rather than okay. uh, just direct investment. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, Ju An. Thank you very much for joining us here on the program. Senior Portfolio Manager, Mireille Asset Global Investments. Brings us nicely into Alex Wong, Director of Asset Management at Ample Capital. Alex, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, nice to have you back on the on the program. Uh, we just heard some interesting, you know, it's not all that often that we get uh, analysts, you know, that uh, follow a certain company or a sector. It's great to uh, to have them, uh, but it's also good to get somebody who takes a nice overview like, uh, like you. And just uh, if we look at uh, local markets, and by that I mean Shenzhen, Shanghai, and Hong Kong, do you feel better now than you did the last time we talked a couple of weeks back? No, actually, uh, on Friday, the performance of uh, China stocks uh, was weaker than expected. We saw some selling in um, China financials uh, on Friday, and that dragged down the index a little bit. But uh, we saw some um, strength, of course, in Tencent, and then also in some China blue chips in Hong Kong. So that makes the XSI um, uh, trading in a narrow range. But uh, the overall tone towards uh, traditional China big cap actually uh, was weak. What do you think caused that weakness? Uh, I think the, the usual problem, actually. And then... Um, what is the usual problem? I ask every guest, can, a guest and I get about 20 different answers. Uh, I think, of course, first of all, um, China, I think it would be in a deleveraging uh, process uh, this year because of those uh, trust shadow banking problems. And also the mainland banks are actually in a tight liquidity situation. So um, I think uh, that would be the main reason uh, for, for, for them to do underperform. So I think a lot of people um, would feel that way. But then when we saw the China loan data out mm. a week or so ago, it seemed like there was a lot more money being lent, albeit a little bit less than the trust uh, area, trust fund area. But um, generally speaking, those lending numbers were pretty strong. 
Oh yeah, uh, that is. I think uh, the um, the situation probably people are are still a little bit uh, uh, suspect. I think uh, we we need to see further further evidence uh, from that area. I think uh, right now people probably are still looking at the uh, uh, general picture and then the the, the bigger trend that uh, this year probably uh, we would see uh, some liquidity problem in China. So that that's I think people are are still concerning. So uh, we need some more evidences. So so you're quite cautious now. You wouldn't be deploying new money uh, to work at all. Uh, no, um, I think uh, we probably would see a very polarized market in Hong Kong. Uh, like, like like the the guest just said, uh, Macau. Uh, internet probably would still perform, and then probably we would see uh, those medical stocks and environmental stocks that that would still be the beneficiary of this market. Are you expecting anything from the financial secretary in the budget uh, this week uh, to provide a lot of impetus to the market either way? No, um, he had already um, hinted that uh, the government will reduce uh, uh, um, the 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 benefit uh, to 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 the public so that I think uh, he would cautiously manage the budget so that's that's why the expectation is quite low. And whatever happened to the rally that we usually see and hope to see after the uh, Lunar New Year? Uh, I think uh, we need to see some uh, excitement from earnings. Probably would see some uh, strength in Chang Kong and Hutchison. That would provide some help. And I think AIA probably would, would be revalued as well. We saw some pretty good earnings from Bank of East Asia. Are you expecting uh, fireworks at all from HSBC? Oh, but HSBC is a different story because HSBC uh, is a cost-cutting story and also global. So um, uh, HSBC is cheap uh, relatively, but uh, the upside may not be too much. BAEA probably would be still doing fine, I think. Uh, as a whole, I think the market probably would not be too bad or too good in the meantime. Is the Hong Kong economy in okay shape from your standpoint as uh, an asset manager? Uh, it is in an okay shape, but the problem is that we do not see too much uh, 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 growth prospect. Of course, we are in okay shape because we are at a very low unemployment situation, almost uh, full employment. So uh, we are not doing too badly. Uh, but uh, the problem is that people will not, do not see too much new driver in our economy. What could some of those new drivers be? You know, we talked a little bit earlier about the possibility that uh, tech M&A could be a bit of a driver in stocks in the West. Um, do we have, you know, much of a of a flight path for that here? No, uh, we lag behind in the tech uh, sector um, for too many years now. So uh, we do not have too much uh, local names. Uh, we, we do have China names. I think uh, uh, we need to see this year, probably we need to see whether Alibaba would come to Hong Kong, I think. Yeah, that would be great. Um, yeah. If you look at our pillar industries, financial services, they need to do a lot of cost cutting. I mean, they're just, that's just one of the things that you see happening is they just employ too many people for the revenues they have. Tourism, well, you know, we've got a populace here that's fighting back against uh, mainlandization. Mm. And logistics, you know, shipping, that's kind of slipping more China's way. Are we looking at a possible long-term downturn? Are we smart enough here to reinvent ourselves? Oh yeah, I think that is a big problem for Hong Kong. I think we need to be in ourselves. But uh, the, the the problem is we do not find a a good path uh, or a good concept uh, in the meantime. Like I said logistics probably would be one, but uh, logistics actually is not a high margin business, and also it is uh, it is uh, and not a very scalable business.
We thought supply chain management was, um, you know, a big uh, feather in our cap, and I, and I guess it is generally. But uh, shouldn't we be assisting global companies in accessing China even better than we do? Oh yeah, um, that's why probably people like uh, carry, carry logistics and that that uh, that stocks actually uh, um, commanded a very high. So does that count as one of your top picks? Oh, this is one of my holding. Yes. Okay. Let me just get you to say a couple others, uh, if you're comfortable. Will the okay, uh, yeah. SFC let you name names? Uh, just give us a couple of other decent picks for the moment. Oh, I still like Macau, and I still like Internet, and uh, I... In, actually, I like Baidu a little bit uh, recently okay. because Tencent is already uh, near the ten percent threshold of the Hansen Index and also other major China indexes. Yeah. So that's why people will look for alternatives now. Okay, Alex, thank you very much for joining us here on Money for Nothing. That's Alex Wong, director of asset management, Ample Capital. No value judgments, just a little jingle there to take us through the numbers. The Nikkei down 39 points, a quarter of a percent. Australia's higher, and we see not much change in Seoul. Weather today, sunny periods uh, expected. The maximum temperature, about 19 degrees. We got a nice stretch here over the next week. It looks like it's going to be sunshine for most of these days. A little bit cloudy picture at night, and uh, we may see some mist toward the end of this week. The news with Samantha Butler. Russia has recalled its ambassador to Ukraine for consultations in Moscow on what it described as the deteriorating situation in Kiev. The move came after the newly appointed interim president, Alexandra Turchinov, said in a televised speech that a top priority would be to return to the path of European integration. He said he was open to dialogue with Russia if Moscow respected what he called Ukraine's European choice. We have to return to the family of Europe.